Castle Rock Entertainment and Stephen King invite you to visit Castle Rock, Maine, a quiet little town whose population has just increased by one. Do you believe in the devil, Father? I guess I have to. You can't have one without the other. What's he look like? What the hell does he look like? May I take this opportunity to welcome you to Castle Rock on the good Lord's behalf? Why not? So where are you from? Ohio. I've been in this business a long time, and I've learned the pleasure of offering my customers what they really need. He came here to destroy us. Oh, you wish it. There have been two murders and an attempted suicide in this quiet little town, and Mr. Leland Gorn is at the bottom of it. You are disgusting. I like that in a person. Everybody that's got it coming is going to get it now. The young carpenter from Nazareth? I knew him well. Promising young man. But he died badly. A famine here, a flood there, a little bloodlust, a broken heart. You can't win. I've got God on my side. guys welcome back uh, another uh, another week another movie hope everyone had a great week so far uh definitely can't complain on my end um although the weather could have been a little more fantastic but um to open up do want to say uh first of all let's celebrate the fact that it is finally february so that um essentially that is women in horror month um so um for those of you who do have instagram and have been uh, following along each um day i've been posting a film directed written you know inspired by a female um it's kind of cool how many how many of them you know really there are uh definitely because you wouldn't wouldn't expect it considering how um how many films there are in the horror industry you know and some of them i think many of you may just not have even known that it was a woman that uh you know was behind the helm <clears throat> anyways uh this week i want to talk about one um film slash book uh crossover that i've read um and it's one of my favorite stephen king's essentially uh stephen king's needful things um now uh the film <sighs> where it even starts um i just i don't know it was okay <laughs> for lack of a better word essentially it um i kind of felt like it was making fun of a really really dark really evil book i mean even alone in that trailer you know you can hear that music it's just kind of campy um i mean this book deals with some pretty evil dark themes you know essentially good evil and just the whole power of possession um and you know in the the film it just i don't know it, it just wasn't wasn't exactly what i was expecting but it I guess it's kind of entertaining. I mean, I the first time I saw this, I was quite young. I remember I was watching alongside my parents. So this time watching it, this is post me reading the book a couple weeks before. Um, and, you know, and then coming into, into this, you know, it was kind of like, what garbage. Um, and uh, I'll get into it. There was a couple scenes I remember as a kid, you know, really staying with me. And, um, yeah, it just complete garbage um anyways getting into it so um 
Directed by Fraser C. Heston, produced by Jack Cummins. Um, the screenplay was by W.D. Uh, Richter, and of course, based on the book by Stephen King, um, starring Ed Harris, Max von Sydow, uh, Bonnie Bedelia, J.T. Walsh, and Amanda Plummer. Um, the music was brought to us by Patrick Doyle, and the cinematography with Tony Weston, edited by Rob Cobrin, um, and brought to us by Castle Rock Entertainment. You know, so essentially the story follows a mysterious puppeteer named Leland Gaunt. This is Maximon Sido, um, claiming to be for Arkin, Ohio, and arriving in a small town of Castle Rock, Maine, in a sinister-looking black car, and opens up a new antique store called Needful Things. The store sells a, a series of various items, um, with a great deal of personal worth to the residents, um... You know, some, you know, like a pendant that eases pain, toy that predicts the outcome of horse races, you know, all clearly with some sort of supernatural power. Um, God demands payment in both cash, but also in small favors, usually pranks played by, um, played on fellow customers or their neighbors. Uh, God's first customer is a small boy named Brian Rusk. Uh, he buys a rare baseball card featuring Mickey Mantle. Um, and of course he's asked to play a prank on the neighbor, Wil- Wilma Wadalowski, um, kind of the little bit of a kook uh, who lives in town, but she's not the kookiest out of all of them. So Gaunt makes an impression on the townspeople who uh, have, who also have pull, um, who also, he has them pull some pranks, one of whom uh, is a corrupt boat salesman and a gambler named um, Danforth Keaton. Uh, he's embezzling, you know, up to $20,000 of the townspeople's tax money to pay off his debts. Um... Keaton finds out from Sheriff Allen um, Pangborn, which is Ed Harris, the people are onto him, and he turns uh, his realize and realizes fears to Gaunt um, that he's hated, and people refer to him as Buster Keaton. Um, you know, to keep Keaton with his problems, Gaunt sells him a toy uh, horse race that predicts the outcome of any future race to recoup his twenty thousand um, dollars and replace the money before the townsfolk officially find out. <laughs> Gaunt sells Frank's, um, Frank Jewett, a first edition of Treasure Island by Robert um, Louis Stevenson. He also learns that there's a rivalry between the Catholic priest, uh, Father Mihan, and the Baptist minister, Reverend Willie Rose, um, when he sells each of them an object from his shop. So, of course, you know, there's pranks there. Um, the first hint of Gaunt's true nature is when he has Brian throw muck from the turkey farm under the newly laundered crisp white sheets hanging in the washing uh, from the house of Wilma Jezrick. On uh, returning home, Wilma is, assumes his devastation uh, was caused by the long-term enemy, or long-time enemy, Nettie Cobb. She's supposed to be her all-time kook. Killed her husband, you know so on and so forth. It's just her and her dog. Uh, she goes on loudly and accuses her of it at Nettie's workplace in Castle Rock Diner. Brian Russ meets Gaunt at the lighthouse where he informs Brian he's not fully repaid his debt and expects payment in the right way. Brian returns to Wilma's house where he throws apples at her house to smash all of her windows. Nettie Cobb has bought a small statue from Gaunt that is identical to the one her violent ex-husband had smashed in a fit of rage. Um, in return, she has to go to Dan Keaton's house and place post-it Post-it notes, allegedly from Darius D- Deputy Sheriff Norris Redwick, all around the interior, accusing him of his misdemeanors. In the meantime, Gaunt has Hugh Priest kill Nettie's dog in return for a 1950s jacket uh, that he wore in college. Uh, this sparks a violent fight between Nettie and Wilma, and both of them end up killing each other. So um, this was a scene as a kid that I remember um, 
really standing out in my mind when he kills that dog. Um, essentially, he skins it and leaves it hanging in one of the rooms. Um, and she walks into it. I was, oh God, I can't even remember how young I was, but like totally, you know, I remember just sitting there holding my dog, uh, for the rest of the movie. Um, but, um, yeah, the violent fight between the two of them, definitely not what I had imagined from the book. The book made it seem a lot worse. Um, and even the death of the dog was even a lot more intense in the book. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. It was, you know, probably this was the most intense, most entertaining part of the film, ironically. Uh, but, um, you know, there was still, still some film left, uh, given, given this. So, uh, Gaunt takes a personal measure towards Sheriff Panghorn by giving a necklace to his fiance, Polly Chambers. You know, she has this crippling arthritis, so it, uh, essentially must work for, it's for Polly to work. He, she must never take it off, and she does find some solace within it. Um, Keaton's found by Gaunt cowering in his shop with a gun, and he tells Gaunt that he's thinking of killing Norris Ridgewick, um, to stop him from telling everyone about his misdemeanors. Gaunt talks to him about it and takes the gun from him. Uh, Brian witnesses the investigation of Wilma Jezik's house um, and hears the sheriff musing over all the apples, where all the apples came from. Brian's shocked that his actions might in some way have caused the tragedy that, and uh, tries to talk to Sheriff Pangarn about what God had him do, but he's too scared to do so. At this point, it becomes apparent that Gaunt's enjoying what is happening to the town folk and he's not, in all, not at all human, but must be in fact some sort of demon. Sheriff Peng, Pengborn later approaches Brian when he's alone in the lighthouse and asks him, asks what's got him so scared. Brian explains that Gaunt's the monster before trying to shoot himself in the head. The gun goes off, but Pengborn manages to save him. Brian's hospitalized, and meanwhile, he begins to finally, uh, the sheriff finally begins to suspect Gaunt um, that he's not all of what he seems. Um, difference in the book, Brian actually kills himself. Um, pretty intense like really intense um i remember like having to put the book down for a little bit and just kind of you know chew over what I'd, I'd read you know so moving on uh reverend rose slashes the tires of hugh priest's truck hugh priest sees what's happened to his truck when he goes gets thrown out of the bar for being too drunk sheriff pangborn returns uh from his meeting with brian and now very suspicious of gaunt he tries to warn polly and ask her to get rid of the necklace but she's unwilling to remove it after pangborn has gone she tries prying the necklace open to see what's inside and gets an electric shock which shows the necklace across the room polly's immediately crippled by her arthritis and cannot reach to pick up the necklace gaunt appears in her bedroom and replaces the necklace on polly's neck he states the price of the necklace will be twenty dollars and a small prank polly is so grateful she pays him immediately and is clearly memorized by gaunt who then seduces her after which she states that pangborn's corrupt and that he has been embezzling money from the town with keaton for years he convinces her to go to pangborn's yacht to look for the money she does and sees a lot of money strewn upon pangborn's desk she wants pangborn from the yacht accuses him of the crime and disgust and calls off the engagement keaton begins it becomes afraid that everyone including his wife Myrtle Keaton is out to get him and Gaunt convinces him that he's the he is the only ally. Uh, Gaunt also uses Keaton's attack on Deputy Norris at the police station. Uh, Pangborn manages to subdue Keaton by handcuffing Keaton to his car shortly after Keaton manages to escape um, kicking Ridge, uh, Ridgewick by kicking him in the groin and then drives um, home where he accuses his wife of having an affair with Norris, kills her with a hammer and then rings Gaunt. He tells Keaton to come over um, as he has something for him that'll make him much better. Uh, Hugh Priest goes to the bar with a shotgun 
um, and straight up to a shotgun and straight up to the owner, who also pulls out a shotgun from behind the bar and they shoot each other. Gaunt's pranks spread throughout the town and the citizens' mistaken suspicion, paranoia, and anger spread with it. Gaunt starts selling his customers guns, encouraging them to kill whoever wronged them, um, playing on their greed and fear. Gaunt also Gaunt has Keaton place explosives in the town's Catholic church, where Sheriff Pegborn is inside talking to Father Meehan, uh, relaying his new suspicions that Gaunt's the devil incarnate, but Meehan refuses to believe him. The church explodes in Pegborn, and Meehan manage to escape with their lives. Uh, Father Meehan believes that Reverend Willie's behind the attack on the church and leaves to fight him. Riot sparks out before the town, and Gaunt launches from the sidelines. Sheriff Pegborn tries desperately to restore order. He pulls a gun on Father Mian, who tries uh, to behead Reverend Rose, and Gaunt encourages him to shoot them. Pangborn fires his gun, much to Gaunt's disappointment, uh, getting everyone's attention. Pangborn convinces the townfolk of Castle Rock to come to their senses, exposing Gaunt's true nature in the web of lies and manipulation. Everyone, I don't know, the scene was really cheesy to me. Everyone's kind of just standing around like, oh, I did it, no, I did it, no, I did it. And it just sort of bounces around. It just, uh, I don't know, it just... Again, you know, such a dark-themed book did not really play over to film very well. Um, everyone stops fighting and admits their pranks, but Keaton, despondent after everything, walks up to Pangborn and Ridgewick, pointing a gun at them with a bomb strapped to himself, threatening to blow everyone up. He's talked down by Pangborn um, and turns against Gaunt. Keaton walks up to Gaunt, who talks to him about the inadequacies and is uh, and is heard to reportedly refer to him as Buster. Infuriated by this, Keaton tackles Gaunt through the store window, setting off the bomb and destroying needful things. Uh, defeated and completely unharmed, Gaunt emerges from the burning wreckage of his store, saying that he wasn't his be- this wasn't his best work. Gaunt walks up to Pengborn and Polly, telling them they make a cute couple, and he will encounter their grandson in 2053, then departs, presumably to continue his vicious evil work elsewhere, leaving them in the same black... leaving in the same black car which he arrived um yeah i don't know it's just seemed to wrap up with this happy bow um and the book's not really like that i don't really want to go in too much on how the book ended just because this is more about the film always has been when it comes to my podcast i don't know maybe one day i'll do a comparison um but essentially i don't want to spoil it in case those of you decide to cross over into the world of uh of the literary realm of stephen king so, um, you know, uh, essentially it just a bit of a blur, this whole movie. I don't know. It just didn't catch me the same way the book did. You know, it was just pretty, it was, like I said, really campy. Uh, and, you know, I, I can see why the, the critics basically came out with a complete negative review. You know, this was given, um, a 1.5 out of five stars by Roger Ebert with only one note, uh, saying that it only plays on one note. Um, and it's basically the same scene over and over again. It's like satanic water torture, you know, not scary. In fact, depressing little harsh review there, Roger, but I, I, I stand behind that. You know, it's basically very true of this film. You know, it only holds about a 26% uh, review on Rotten Tomatoes. Although I do agree, Amanda Plummer killed it um, playing Nettie Cobbs. She, you know, totally is what I imagined. Just this kind of kooky, unsure of herself woman who's constantly, you know, anxious and or sporadic. Um, but, uh, you know, other than that, 
it's a meh. I give it like a 3.5 out of 10, probably. This was on that sort of scale. Um, those of you, uh, though, that um, are Rick and Morty fans, uh, this is parodied in season one, episode nine. Probably one of my favorite episodes when uh, Summer takes an, a, a job working at a Needful Things kind of store. And then, of course, Rick and um, the Leland character get into it on Who's Smarter. Really great episode. Highly recommend checking it out. Um, so as I said, you know, the book is always better, especially with King. I don't know what it is, especially out of the like 80s and 90s. Some of it was good. Most of it garbage, just complete garbage. And this one I would file under that. Um, anyways, guys, thanks for tuning in for another week. Can't wait till next week. Um, and again, check out my Instagram and Twitter, especially if you want to see what's coming up, um, this week in women in horror month. Um, and of course, reach out to me if there's any, you know, improvements, anything you'd like me to cover. If there's, you know, your favorite film that you'd like to learn more about, um, you know, don't be shy. Just, private message me, direct message me, whatever the case may be. Anyways, guys, have yourselves a great week and uh, all the best.